to another episode of Space Flicks. Space Flicks. The podcast where we review a movie and decide if it's worth the cost of beaming out to a lonely astronaut in the far reaches of space. Today we are talking A Quiet Place Part 2. Part 2. <laughs> a you Quiet know, Place. I realize they, I mean, I think that they made the right choice by calling it A Quiet Place Part 2. But I As feel like... To a quieter place. place. <laughs> That's with the two, with the fine with the final entry being the quietest place. Sure. Yeah, that seems un. That that you know, it's funny you say that because I feel like that is the kind of thing that a horror franchise does. Mm-hmm. But something about increasing the intensity of the word "quiet" to "quieter," it's like the opposite effect of you know what you need from the silent place. That would be the most extreme version. It's also a little silly, you know. This movie's right. kind of serious, so right. I think. <laughs> Put it this way, Quieter Place, I feel like you could, get, you could get away with, but if they really did come up with a third one called The Quietest Place, <laughs> th- that would be, to me, that would be jumping the shark as yeah. far as the titling goes. Yes. They but at just, the same time, they would have painted themselves into a corner where it's like, well, we obviously have to call it that. Well, I mean, you know. What are we going to call it? A Quieter Place Part 2? <laughs> no, you just go with the Fast and Furious conventions, right? Oh, you just Q3. Q3. QP3, baby. Right. <laughs> yeah, one of them would just be called Quiet, right? Yeah. yeah. Quiet 3, right? You know, like, I think there's, there's ways to do this. All right. Uh, be that as it may, we live in the reality where they called it a quiet place. Part two. Yes. This day being John Krasinski is, I think, is he the, yes. is he the writer or yes, he is one of the writers and he is the director of the film All right. just as he was with the first one. Right. Jim from the office. Jim from the office was the, or, or Jack Ryan. Maybe some people know him as Jack Ryan, right? Mm-hmm. From the Amazon series, which I haven't seen. Right. Or the athlete from the movie Leatherheads. Right, also sure many people he, know him as that. He contains m- multitudes. And when you say the athlete, was that his character's name? Oh no, I'm sure he had an actual name. <laughs> You're just talking about a character that he played in that movie. Yes, with George Clooney. Yes, I remember him getting, or him punching George Clooney in the face. I mm. believe mm. in that film. I yeah. Well, I mean, you know, law of large numbers. It's one of those things where there are some people in the world who that's what they know him from. That is their sure. frame of reference for John Krasinski. Yes. People who've never seen The Office mm-hmm. or even are familiar enough with it to understand that he was in it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and who also aren't familiar with his role as Jack Ryan, but who did see Leatherheads. <laughs> and yep. remember his name from that. You know, like the world is full of all sorts of people. But I would almost venture to say, I would bet you there's not a single person on this planet who the only movie they have seen is Leatherheads. Oh, yeah. I bet you're right. I, I would I would put money on that. That would be a stunning find. But, there, but what I'm saying is there are people that John Krasinski, they only know him from Leatherheads. Right, right, right. You're that's cast- much more, yeah. That's more, that's more plausible. They've seen lots of other movies. <laughs> um but they've danced between the raindrops and yeah, managed to right. avoid The Office and Jack Ryan and A Quiet Place. At any rate, that's <clears> At any movie. rate, here we are talking about A Quiet Place Part 2. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, after all that babble, we should probably give the synopsis. You want to do that? Yes. Following the events at home, the Abbott family now face the terrors of the outside world. Forced to venture into the unknown... 
they realize the creatures that hunt by sound are not the only threats lurking beyond the sand path. Mm. Good synopsis. Mm -hmm. Um, Before we talk about this movie, I feel like we should touch briefly on the first one. Sure. Which you saw very recently, right? Because you hadn't seen it. I missed it when it came out and sort of under my general guise of like being a little bit skittish around horror films. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know. No, thanks. Right. Right. However, this movie was coming out. And uh, as some of you may know, we've been many of us have been locked inside for the better part of a year. And uh, but now with that, now with the the strength of the Fies flowing through my veins, Mm -hmm. I felt real ready uh, to take on the world fancy free and ready to just see some movies and theaters. And so I was like, well, I'm not going to go see, I mean, what movies are coming out? And Quiet Place Part 2 was like clearly one of the better options. Yep. And I was like, well, I'm not going to go see Part 2 without having seen Part 1. I'm not a... Have you ever done that? Have you ever seen a sequel without seeing the first? I'm sure I have. It does seem so... Re- well, I, I mean, okay, so like an obvious example would be like, I've not seen every James Bond movie. Yeah, right. I, I don't. that doesn't really count to me. Okay. But I get... I mean, it should, to be fair, but I feel like you're technically answering the question. But I'm thinking like a part two of like a not like decades long running franchise, but just uh, something that there are, you know, three installments or even two installments where you just saw the second one, but didn't see the original. I can't think of one off the top of my head. Yeah. Seems because I feel like it's just one of those things where you would just self-select out of it. Right. Where it's like, you know, it's like Back to the Future 2. It's like, well, I didn't see the first one, but this one sounds like a blast. It's just sort of like, no, just catch up. Just see the first one and then see the second one, right? I feel yeah. like that would generally be my approach with almost anything. Okay, so well, anyway, you didn't break your streak here. You saw the first one first. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you're not generally a horror guy, but what did you think? Well, you know, it's funny. I think this is where I'm, I, I'm, my, I'm becoming more, uh, I think, accurate in my um, in my characterizations of movies because I don't really view this as like a horror movie, right? I view it as like a thriller, suspense, su- yeah. thriller, suspense, sort of more in the vein of like Jurassic Park than a movie like uh, another movie that's out right now, like The Conjuring: colon, The Devil Made Me Do It, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like those movies are expressly about sort of like sh- like making you jump out of your seat with like terrifying uh like images mm-hmm. of like you know ghosts and ghouls and whatever right the devil etc i feel like a thriller <clears throat> is more about this slow build of mm-hmm. like suspense and isn't isn't trying to like gross you out or like um make you feel uh make you feel scared i feel like thrillers are more about like tension and release and tension and release Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And like, ultimately I feel like a quiet place is designed to be like a satisfying emotional experience as opposed to like one where you just end up with frayed nerves at the end. Yeah. You know? So those sorts of movies I like. You're, you're more okay right? with the, I mean, there's kind of, there's surely you would agree. There are many movies that sort of are in a gray area between those two. Things. Probably. Like, like I think a lot of movies that would be called horror movies are more like what you just described as a thriller, you know, like sure, sure. There's like these, you know, 
Friday the 13th, you know, movies where it's just people getting like sawed in half and stuff. But, um, I think there's a lot of horror, like to me, this, I, I'm kind of with you that it's more like a thriller, but, um, I feel like there are horror movies. Like if I think of, for example, just cause I don't know, I feel like we've discussed it recently. Hereditary mm-hmm. is a film. It's not like full of gross out scenes or mm-hmm. anything like that. It's very much slow burn, mm-hmm. but it's just terrifying. You know, right. you're just like, it's all about making you very, it, to me, it's almost like the difference between that movie and this movie is, or a quiet place. Part one rather is that hereditary is like gonna give you nightmares. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's that scary. Right. And quiet place. Part one is not that scary. Right. <laughs> right. It's almost like how scary is it? Right. Right. Yeah. Or Jurassic park. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm probably as a kid, I probably did have nightmares about Jurassic park, but, um, yeah, it feels like there's this sort of fine line of is the movie's goal to give you nightmares basically. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Right. And I think a quiet place the movie definitely had a goal to scare you, but I think it it was too concerned with like the family relationships and and the characters to really be fully committed to just like this is purely about freaking you out. I think that's right. I think it cares. It, it wants you much more to care about that family and their relationships with one another mm-hmm. than it does, you know, in just making you see some messed up stuff that's yeah. gonna like haunt your dreams. So right. you liked it? You liked the first one? I did. Um, the uh, I mean, do you want to go into the first movie in any real depth on this? And or? not unless you want to. I just wanted to sort of establish you liked it. I, yeah, I did like it. Um, I think the the one bit about the the first movie that I don't think I had really clear thoughts about it until uh, until after I saw the second movie was I think the the one thing that sort of um, not bothered. That's too strong a word, but didn't quite work for me in the first movie was how the goal of the family in the first movie is effectively to, you know, survive on this farm for one more night. Mm-hmm. Right. That's sort of ultimately what it becomes. And um, I get that. That's like a, there's a rich, you know, tradition of movies where that's sort of the premise is just survive right. the night. Right. But I would, um, Without getting into spoilers, like this movie, this movie, A Quiet Place Part Two, was more about like let's you know we find ourselves in this horrible world filled with these uh, you know these monsters that have this highly acute sense of hearing. Uh, let's see if we can like improve our situation. Right. Right. And that is a more interesting goal for you. It just works for me better as like a mm-hmm. narrative device. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's like great there's an end there's a potential end game here right like they have a plan as opposed to the first movie where they just don't seem to quite have one mm-hmm. and so that was um the thing that like as i'm watching this movie i'm like they're doing all this stuff to survive but i'm like and then what right, right? like there'll right. be just another day just like this one um so that was sort of the thing and that's what but at the end of the day did like it you know, liked the relationships in the family. Um, we won't get into retroactive spoilers of a movie that's three years old. I think we can spoil the first one. Okay, so Aruga. Spoilers of an old <laughs> Mini movie. Mini spoiler warning. I was a little... Um, uh, I'm always a little bit skeptical when 
somebody like sacrifices themselves at the end of a movie mm-hmm. for like the good of everybody else. Uh-huh. Cause it always feels like, did you have to do that? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. or is that, or is if this, it's not done well, or is this, yeah, it, or I mean, just, there have to be cases where it does seem necessary. Sure. And I, and I would, th- and I think that probably in the first movie, like it was right. Like the, the way they wrote it, it was sort of like, well, this monster is either going to eat two children or it's yep. going to eat yep. the guy. Right. Yep. Um, and so, but like, I just, whenever I see that in a movie, I feel similarly about the end of, uh, I am legend, which is sort of another like last man on earth, mm. uh, zombie movie kind of thing. Well, I'm spoiling it for you right now. That movie's got to be There's tw- a dumb sacrifice. 20 years old at this point. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, just whenever a character's like, well, there's obviously no other choice but for me to sacrifice my life in this situation. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. No, I'm with you. I remember in the first one um, feeling similarly. I mean, it, it, it's it's just how the movie chooses to portray it, right? But in right. my mind, the movie's had such, um, as silly as it sounds to say, it, there is so much realism to it. I mean, despite the fact there's about aliens killing, you know, humans, mm-hmm. but, um, the characters felt very real. The family relationships felt very real. And I thought a lot of the actions in the film seemed very like realistically motivated mm-hmm. such that I also took issue and maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, but with that kind of end hero scene where the dad Lee sacrifices himself, because in my mind it was like, I totally get this father making a choice to risk his own life to save his kids. But keyword being risk, mm-hmm. I don't know that he has to throw it away. Right. Like he could try to make a lot of noise and distract the alien mm-hmm. with the possible outcome being his own death. Mm-hmm. But he could also try to survive the situation, you know, by like making a lot of noise, throwing the axe so it bangs against the thing and the alien chases after that or something. Mm-hmm. But he just drops the axe and just yells. Right. <laughs> it's like, come get me. Right. And, uh, yeah, to me, that was also, I was like, look, I know your chances are basically zero, but you're not even going to try to attack it with the ax. Right. You know, try. Right. Right. (laughs) Who knows? You might win. Right. Um, so I, that was sort of, I remember thinking those thoughts during the movie of like, it seems a little, uh, he threw in the towel a little early. I felt. Yes. I think that that's always the thing is it feels like movie logic. It's like the person's like, well, I'm. You know, there is no other choice but for mm-hmm. me to be dead at the end of this moment. And it's like, oh, but, the, you know, you've got other choices. You, I feel, And yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, that was so uh, that one thing. I think in, in the movie's defense, I think they they take a little bit of effort. They make a little bit of effort in that first movie to sort of show him wounded by the creature. Mm-hmm. And it's possible that he evaluated his wounds and he's like, I'm not going to survive these anyway. So, my, you know, there's no point to anything but it, it I, I agree with you it's sort yeah, of like this yeah. feels a little give uppy well it definitely feels a little nitpicky of us i mean it's sort of like the movie could have presented him trying to survive and then getting killed <laughs> right <laughs> yeah I, I guess i would have been slightly more satisfied to be like that's more realistic but um like well i wanted to give him a dramatic moment you know right so. they wanted to make it very clear yeah how much he loved his children and was willing to do anything yeah. to protect them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which I get. So at any rate, um, quite place one good stuff. Um, 
so the way that movie ends, because I think it's relevant to the way this movie begins, mm-hmm. uh, is sort of the the daughter, uh, played by Millicent Simmons, character's name is Reagan. <laughs> the funny part is like the characters almost never say one another's names. Right. And yeah. so it's like at the end of the movie, I was like, I've just been watching this person for the past 90 minutes and I do not know what her character's name right. is. You can say the girl, the boy. <laughs> right. The man, the woman. But the daughter, <laughs> Reagan, um, at the end of the first movie, she sort of puts it all together and figures out that basically the feedback being created by her hearing aid is the secret to exposing these creatures and then giving them a vulnerability that you can exploit and, you know, mm-hmm. shoot at them or whatever. Uh, and so at the end of that first movie, when a monster is, is coming in and, and the family's all scared, uh, Reagan figures this out and she and her mom, played by Emily Blunt, team up to dispatch of that monster sort of at the end. And it sort of leads to a pretty, I think, um, exhilarating ending of that first one where it's like, okay, we've now we've got a way to sort of deal with these monsters now. You know, this gun is loaded. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. That's the conclusion of Quiet Place Part 1, which then gets us to Quiet Place Part 2. And usually in this conversation, we talk about expectations. Yeah. Right? Um, And so uh, I somehow, again, like with most movies, we try not to do a ton of reading about um, what's going on before. But I I caught wind of the idea that this was basically just picking up. Right, right the then, first one left off. and uh-huh. and I thought that this movie does a um, the trailers and this movie do a good job of like you don't realize uh, after you've seen the first movie that like for example their outfits are very like memorable, mm. right? And so like when you see the trailer for Quiet Place Part Two, you're like, oh right, that is the dress that she was wearing, and mm-hmm. that is the mm-hmm. shirt that Reagan was wearing in Quiet mm-hmm. Place One. Mm-hmm. So like when you see that stuff, you're like, oh, they're just picking it up right then, yeah. right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. which I think is great because I think that's exactly the moment that as an audience member you see them getting prepared to sort of face the coming onslaught of creatures mm-hmm. that have been sort of stirred by the gunshots emerging from the home. And you see like these two creatures like uh, converging on the house, mm-hmm. right? You're like, Oh man, like it's about to go down. It's about to go down at the yep, Abbott yep, farm. Yep. Uh, and so as from, from an expectations perspective, I was really sort of excited to sort of jump back into it right at that moment with that family. Cause I knew that they were sort of out of the frying pan into the fire. Right. Right. Um, and so with that, I actually was like really excited because I liked the world. I thought the premise of the monsters was a good one. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and the idea of like, we have to, for whatever reason, they're like, we have to leave the farm and now like make a way in this world. I was like, yes, that is the thing that I was sort of chafing against in the first movie was mm-hmm. the fact that like they were just sort of like, well, let's just stay on this farm forever and sort of hope that we can weather the storm. Right. Um, so when we're, well, I mean, so that's why I was sort of really looking forward to it. How about you? Did you have a strong I didn't feeling? Have a, uh, so I think I liked the first one, um, liked, but didn't love the first one. We talked a little bit about how, I definitely wasn't a huge fan of them choosing to have a child. Oh, right. (laughs) It it kind of, to me, it detracted from 
to me, that was like a big gamble from a storytelling perspective. Like the audience is either going to be on board with this or not. And Mm -hmm. I was one of the segment of the audience that was like not on board with this. Mm -hmm. And it makes me not like these characters as much because I think you're pretty stupid. Right. (laughs) Um, But uh, putting that aside, I would say that that kind of to me, it kind of brought the first movie from like from kind of great to good, you know. Mm -hmm. And so this one, I didn't really have a lot of expectations. I certainly hadn't um, had as coherent thoughts about it as it sounds like you had as far as like what I want from this movie, being excited at the prospect of it picking up where the first one left off. I was just sort of like, okay, cool. Another one, you know, Uh, whatever I'm open to, whatever that's going to be. Um, so my expectations weren't particularly high or low. I, 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 uh, I did, you know, I was aware that, um, I saw the reviews after they came out on, you know, like Metacritic or Rotten Tomatoes or whatever. And was like, okay, so it's gotten pretty good reviews. So Mm -hmm. it's probably going to be solid. Um, so that's all I really knew. Um, and to be honest, I think I was kind of looking forward to it, not having John Krasinski in it. Mm -hmm. Um, not that I thought he was bad in the first movie by any stretch. I thought he was quite good, but, um, I mean, we already talked about the kind of the hero ending, Mm -hmm. which anytime a filmmaker gives themselves a moment like that, there's just, there's a part of me. It like takes me out of the movie a little bit because I'm just hyper aware of like the person who made this, put themselves on screen Mm -hmm. and presented themselves in this way. Yeah. You know, and like as much as maybe it was a hundred percent motivated by like, that's what the story needed, but there just feels like a little bit of self aggrandizement going on. Yeah. Um, so I was just kind of like, okay, this second one's not going to have that, you know, because he's not, he's dead. So, so, so it'll be like, kind of like cleaner in a way for me. Like I won't be distracted. Although the words directed by John Krasinski did linger on the screen for a good 10 minutes. (laughs) It sort of just kind of hovered around the frame the whole time. And they said it over and over again. They even slipped it into the dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, you know, that's a silly thing to even bring up frankly, but, um, but it, I would be lying if it did, if I said it didn't cross my mind. So I think I was looking forward to like, oh, another good, you know, probably well-made thriller, horror, whatever you want to call it, that doesn't have that sort of, you know, director making himself the the hero yeah. kind of dynamic that rubs me a slightly the wrong way. Yeah. Um, so I was looking forward to it. And, um, you know, just to transition right on to, X, to, to first impressions coming out. Um, I, I liked it a lot. I thought it was, uh, I think I did like it possibly a little more than the first one, Yeah, which is kind of weird to say. Cause I mean, it certainly doesn't have the same novelty factor as the first one. The first one, you know, kind of introduced this concept, which I thought was quite innovative of, of basically of being, you know, a quiet place where you can't make any noise and the protagonists being a family who speak sign language because one of yes. the family members is deaf. That's very clever, you know, setup. Um, so be that as it may, I thought this one kind of was a little bit more assured and, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe it was tighter. I don't remember the first one well enough, but this one was pretty tight. I thought like the storytelling and the pacing of it, it was just sort of like, wasn't a lot of fat on it, I thought. Right. Um, so I liked it a lot. And uh, I still wouldn't call it great. Like, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't say this is, like, one of the greatest horror movies ever. Um, I, I think in a lot of ways it's kind of formulaic. 
Yeah. Um, but it's sort of like, it's still enjoyable to watch a movie that sort of takes a, a familiar formula and just does a really good job at it, mm-hmm. which is kind of how I view this movie. I, I feel the same way as like a really good action movie where it's just like, yeah, it's a dumb action movie, but the action's really good. You know, right. this is sort of like, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty straightforward premise and a pretty straightforward, like there's nothing shocking about the plot, but performances are really good. The direction is good. You know, the cinematography, the sound, the sound is set, you know, certainly the sound design, but as I meant to say, like the score, mm-hmm. all those things I thought were, were really well done. Yeah, I think it's, um, I think you're right in that this is a pretty formulaic movie, but I actually like that about it, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think one of the complaints I was levying against the first one was like, as you're sitting there watching it, for me anyway, there's this element of like, so where is this going? Like, what are the, where do we want this? Like, even just from a protagonist perspective, like, what do they want to have happen here? He right? was he was trying to figure out the weakness, Adam. Didn't you pay attention to the whiteboard? Yes, I saw his copious notes on the whiteboard. <laughs> That's actually another thing that this movie didn't have, which I thought was a nice. Like that first movie had a lot of good Chekhov's sort of, whiteboard. <laughs> Well, it it just like, you know, you read that stuff on there and you're like, would a man write those things? Totally. Yes. He's like writing, what is the weakness? Question mark. Right. Like, why did you write that? Yeah. I know you're trying to find that, but why did you write it? It's been there for 400 days. (laughs) Right. Um, Anyway. Yeah. Uh, uh, That. that, So uh, I I get your point, though. Other than him trying to. I mean, it's uh, he's trying to like find a radio signal or like put together whatever he's, he's trying to like research what the deal is, you right. know, but I don't think there's a lot other than just like the whiteboard in the background and a few sort of scenes of him with headphones on or whatever. I don't think there's like, that's not a big driver for the plot. In the first right. One. Yeah. I mean, if you compare it to other movies that like survival movies, right? Like a movie like Castaway, for example, right? Like, Tom Hanks, his goal is to get off of the island, right? And yes, he'll like tread water on the island. You know, I'm sorry, that's a bad metaphor for a movie like Castaway, but like he'll like mark time on the island and just survive for years, right? But what he really is trying to do is get off. And I feel like the thing that A Quiet Place Part One was missing is like, yeah, we'll like live on this farm and we'll, you know, mm-hmm. I'll work on this hearing aid and we'll, <laughs> I'll write on this whiteboard and then. Yeah. Uh, but I, but I, it was never clear to me, like, what are they trying to get to? Well, maybe, right? it, maybe it was just that in Castaway, you can at least entertain the notion of like somehow, some way he will find a way off this island. Right. And, and part of it is like, if he can just survive long enough, maybe a boat will come along or whatever. Right. Versus in a quiet place, it's like, what's the best case scenario? He's not going to they're not going to kill all the aliens, you know? (laughs) Right. Right. Like they're basically screwed. The best odds are surviving an alien attack because they managed to, you know, protect themselves or whatever. But that, I don't know. Is that, is that kind of getting at what the, what the, what was sort of unsatisfying about it for you? Just like there didn't seem to be any sort of plausible thing they were trying to achieve. Right. Like they never state it. Right. And it's like, I think it's generally uh, important for us as an audience to know, like, what do the characters want? Mm -hmm. Right. Because it helps orient us to all of their actions. Right. And so that's one of the things I liked about Quiet Place 2 
was it was very clear from like the opening moments. It's like, okay, like what they want is to like initially just like find a place to sleep tonight. Mm -hmm. Right. And then what they secondarily want, uh, you quickly realize there's like, there are signs of sort of civilized society. Um, and they're like, we got to track that down and Mm -hmm. figure. And it's like, that's a very simple, understandable thing that the characters can want. And then, uh, the, the sort of convention then is of course, like their path to discovering, you know, where society is, is going to be difficult and there's going to be all sorts of obstacles between then and there. And those are all very sort of cliched things that occurred, but they're just done so well. And because so, and so it was like, so that made it just a very satisfying watch. It's like, great. A character wants a thing. They're going to go through the process of trying to get it. They're going to encounter all these obstacles and they're going to like get through them. And all those things just felt like good <laughs> to watch in a movie, done well in a movie. Yeah. Um, and so I recognize that I'm just sort of like patting the movie on the back for like, thank you for giving me exactly what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Right. But that was sort of like the, my, my beef with the first one, which is so my first impressions are, um, I was like, what is what it's sort of a satisfying watch, yeah, right? Yeah, uh, because of how well it sort of did the thing, and I think it's easy to uh, underestimate how difficult it is just to do like a simple thing, right? Well, you know, yeah. Well, I was uh, simple is the word I was just about to say. Like it's a it's a testament to the value of simplicity, right? Because often, you know, a much more quote unquote complex movie might have a lot more dimensions to it, but Mm -hmm. then that means there's sort of a lot more it has to explain to Right. Right. As far as why did the characters do the things they do and why, you know, and on a, on a sort of meta level, like if there's a very convoluted plot, there can also be the question of like, what was the point of every aspect Mm -hmm. of that plot? Like what this turn and that turn, did they serve a larger narrative purpose or was it just complexity for complexity's sake? Mm-hmm. Um, versus in this movie, it's like, I understand why they're doing what they're doing. And it's kind of nice to not have this burden of, you know, having to explain this totally convoluted plot development or, or something like that. It's the things follow pretty naturally in like a sort of linear way. Right. Right. Where you get why they're doing what they're doing and you get why they react to things in the way they do and why those things lead to the next set of things. Yeah. Basically. Although there, I think are some exceptions to that, which we'll get to. Yes. Yes. I do have some nitpicky things. (laughs) We always got to get in our nitpicks. We should just actually embrace that and have a section that we just call nitpicks. Well, we have, we have a section called fix the movie. It's called fix the movie, but what we inevitably fill that, fill that segment with are like nitpicks where we're like, this isn't really a problem, but yeah, <laughs> so yeah. the movie doesn't need to be fixed, but I would change this one thing anyway. I mean, we should just instead just claim that these nitpicks are in fact deal breakers that that's, break yeah, the entire movie. That's right. Actually, I take it back. The, these things absolutely ruin the movie and, yeah, and uh-huh. we need to address right. them. Strong opinions. Yeah. That's right. Um, Okay, so it sounds like as far as first impressions go, we were both thumbs up on this movie. Yeah, I was very satisfied by and it. I, and I think we both actually liked it better than the first because you, you nodded in agreement. Okay. Yeah. So better than the first. So that's pretty good. Um, what do we go? What do we do next? Do we go on to, oh, themes. Themes. All right. What are the themes? So if the first movie's themes are something like, 
you know, parents will do anything to protect their children. Right. Um, or, or, you know, the, the extent to which a parent will go to protect their children. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like, uh, this is a movie about like growing up, right. Mm-hmm. Or like learning how to be a self-sufficient person, like a contributing person. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And not always just cowering behind like the legs of your parents. Right. Right. Um, that to me was one of the, the, the major things. And I think the, the other sort of complementary notion is this concept of as a parent or as like letting go or like letting your, you know, letting your kids sort of like get out of arm's reach a little bit and just know mm-hmm. that they're kind of on their own to make or break their situation. Right. Um, the new generation allowing them to step into a leadership role. Right. Right. Um, I think there's another one involving Killian Murphy's character. Um, what is the theme exactly? It's sort of maybe redemption, something like this. Sure. Um, or finding hope when it, you know, when previously maybe you'd, you'd given up hope. There should be a better word for that. I'm going to stick with redemption. Sure. But his character is one who, at the start of the film, I mean, he definitely goes through an arc, right? Because at the start of the film, no, well, not the very start, because at the very start they establish he's a, he's a he's an old friend of theirs, right? Who doesn't have any obvious problems with him, but later on, he he comes back into their world mm-hmm. as someone who's much less optimistic than they are, which is saying something because they live in basically a post-apocalyptic world, but he's um, cynical and jaded about like humanity and even sort of on a, um, he's sort of in like this borderline nihilistic place. I feel where it's kind of questionable. Like what is he even sticking around for you know what is he like holding on to because he's kind of given up basic survival yeah it's it's, he's just like a shell of a person who's just you know living to live at this point but he's sort of like there's no point in any of this yeah (laughs) yeah there's 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 quite a bit of nihilism that's crept into his worldview but i feel like at the end of the day that's not him Mm -hmm. right like it's very easy to despair when you've lost so much, which he has. Yeah. Right. Especially recently, right. At one point in the film, he talks about how his, I mean, we're, uh, I already gave the spoiler submarine, but, uh, just reminder, (laughs) I did that. Um, you know, he talks about how his, his wife passed away, like within the past, you know, three months or something Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And so everything's extremely fresh, right. As it is for everybody in this world. And so he's sort of taken to, self-isolating and uh almost just is offended at the concept of somebody else sort of encroaching in his little cocoon of very tenuous safety Mm -hmm. right um and i think to your point this movie is about to a degree about him realizing that even after tragedy you like the only way back into life is to reconnect with people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good yeah. Point. And just rediscovering his, um, 
feel like he's, you know, it's like Moana, you know, he finds, he finds his heart again and he goes from being a lava monster to, to Fiti. Yes. This movie is exactly like Moana. Spoiler warning from mm-hmm. Moana. It's basically just a, give the warning after cover, I spoiled it. A cover band version of Moana. That's right. Um, all right. So we got a couple themes knocked out moving on, unless you wanted to talk more about those things. No, I, I think those are those are those are about right. All right. So moving on, uh, best parts of the movie, I think is next. Okay. So the obvious one for me was uh, I think a part in the movie that, from what I gathered, didn't work for all the for every viewer. But the the sequence where there's a sequence where um, Emmett, the character played by Killian Murphy, and Reagan, the the, the daughter of the Abbott family are sort of on their little side quest adventure to go find uh, basically a radio station that happens to be located on an island. Mm-hmm. And so to do so, they go to a, a harbor or a dock mm-hmm. where there's a bunch of boats. And in the process of trying to figure out which boat they're going to abscond with and make their way to the island, of course, there are sort of weird post-apocalyptic Mad Maxian cannibal people. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're cannibals. I'm just sort of going to go with weird there. people. Weird, weird. Given sort of cannibally sort of vibes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bad dreadlocks. They stare um, a lot. Yeah. Weird skin. Uh, and they encounter this group and it appears like Reagan is going to be taken away into some sort of like human bondage type situation. Mm-hmm. And, um, in a callback to one of the earlier scenes of the movie, Killian Murphy signals in sort of the one sign language term that he knows mm-hmm. dive, mm-hmm. which she then does. And then, uh, he signal, he basically makes a bunch of noise and signals. And that is the signal to the monsters to come and wreak havoc. And so, um, I just thought that that was such a well done bit mm-hmm. of like fast thinking. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that, always really delights me in a movie is when a character has to be really quick thinking in a really high stress situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that particular sequence gives me two bits of like utter joy. The first is when he signals via sign language to her. And then there's like all of this violence that ensues as a result of him doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then as the sequence concludes and all of the, cannibal people have been gobbled up by monsters and Killian Murphy and, uh, and, uh, Millicent Simmons end up getting on a boat. He pops her hearing aid out of his mouth. Right. Yeah. Right. Which makes you realize that he was so quick in his thinking mm-hmm. that he like in a matter of like a second or two basically figured out this entire plan mm-hmm. of like, I will use this one thing that I can communicate to her from across yeah. a distance. Yeah. And I will take this one thing that I know somehow like, uh, protects us from these monsters. Yeah, it's kind of crucial. Yeah. And I will just like, I'll put it in the one watertight place that I can create for myself mm-hmm. with no time, which is my own well, mouth. But then plot twist. He drooled on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn He's these like, salivary glands. <laughs> Sorry. I started thinking about cheeseburgers under there and started, my mouth really started watering. Um, but it just like, the, like that's one of those simple things where it's like, that's movie logic stuff, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
you plant seeds for that kind of stuff like early in the film so you can pay it off later. Like I get all of that. Yeah. But it's just like a simple thing, well done, right. where a character gets to demonstrate like how quick they were, much quicker than the right? It's one of those things like you want the characters in the movie to be like a little quicker than you mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. they but you want it not so quick that you can't follow it. Right. right. And so that that's like they Well, yeah, I remember we had talked we talked about that scene after and I was like I thought he was maybe just going to scream right to summon the monsters, but then he would have had no control over who they kill. Right. Whereas his actual plan was much smarter than that. It's like get the guy, stab the dude so he screams mm-hmm. right as I jump into the water. So like the monster will definitely kill him. Right. <laughs> right. right. I'm I'm putting a big target on his back basically. Right. Uh, so I'm with you. It's like, I was like, oh, good. He's smarter than I am. Right. You know, just, yeah. So that to me was probably the highlight of the film because mm-hmm. it's sort of um, very tense. The stakes couldn't be higher. Right. But like these two characters managed to like ev- get out of this thing, not just through dumb luck and not just through like fighting their way out of the problem, but by just being like, smart like just use it you're you know in situations like that your brain is going to be like firing on all cylinders trying to figure out like how do i get out of this yeah um and i thought that the movie did a great job of saying like that is that is how you would creatively and very quickly sort of solve that set of problems for yourself so i really enjoyed that part well i thought you were going to say i'm glad you brought up that part because i agree that was a really good scene um i think a another scene that seems I would say as obvious as a top contender uh, would just be the opening scene where they start mm-hmm. back in the, you know, John Krasinski, his character's still alive. So he did find a way to get himself into this movie still. Yep. Um, but I thought it was a really, I mean, really the whole thing I thought was done super well. So firstly, it's like, it's like the town is very sleepy. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody's on the street. You just see Lee, John Krasinski's character, walk into a store and they're watching a thing on the news. And I don't know about you, but I was sort of like, that put me on edge. Like I was like, at any moment, Mm -hmm. you know, an alien's going to barge into the store or something because it's like you're already aware that something's going on. Right. But as he walks and he gets to the like Little League game, you're sort of like, okay, so it hasn't affected here yet. But like, I know something's about to go down like imminently. Right. But just like, when will it happen? And... And then that that visual of yeah. of the thing coming through the sky was yeah. was just I thought I mean it's such a simple thing you know, um, but I think they did it. It's like just the right amount of unsettling. Yeah, where it's like that clearly is not okay. Right, <laughs> right, and it's like yeah, that would be enough to stop a little league game. Like people wouldn't just let that happen. They'd be yeah. like, let's get out of here. Yeah. Right. Um, and then seeing how quickly things, you know, right. Spiral from there. Yeah. It helps, <clears throat> it helps reinforce the speed with which like society just like fell apart. Yeah. Right. Because it went from, he was seeing it happening on the other side of the planet. Right. Right. To, so I don't know, maybe 15 sky. minutes later, yeah. like at a little league game and you're like the world's coming to an end. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and within, yeah, and within, you know, a handful of minutes of seeing an explosion in the sky, you've got, like, monsters roaming your streets. You know what I mean? And so it's just sort of, like, the speed with which this whole, like, alien invasion or whatever it is 
um, takes place. It helped. I think it helps reinforce like how quickly these families just had to like scatter and figure out some sort of just ad hoc jury rigged plan to survive. Right. Right. Yeah. And we talked about it after about how, um, I'd be curious to see if they explore this in like a subsequent movie, but the idea of like, these things don't seem like they would have been unstoppable for like even the military, Mm -hmm. right? Like surely some kind of weapons we had could take them out, but it's like, but they're so fat, like things happened so quickly that what is plausible is that whatever military structures and stuff we have that exist, they just weren't fast enough to react. Right. Right. It was like, by the time we could have done anything, all the, all the commanders and all of the people with any authority were just wiped out because these aliens were so fast and killed everything that made any kind of noise. Like you have, we have no idea, but like as an example, if uh, the world got very unlucky, which it did that Mm -hmm. particular day. And one of those creatures like landed outside of the U S Capitol building. Mm -hmm. Right. And Congress was in session. Right. You know what I mean? Like you could easily imagine it's like, Oh, literally the entire U.S. Senate has been killed. You know what I mean? Like, that's how bad it could be depending on the circumstance. And it's a movie, so it gets to, you know, play that sort of game, right? And so it's like, oh, wow, all the Joint Chiefs, like, are gone because they happen to be in the same room at the same time. And, like, and so that to me is, like, if that had been the way that sort of the world ended, right, where all leadership Mm -hmm. got, like, eviscerated really quickly, then you could easily see a world where it's like, yeah, even, you know, with the immense power of the United States military, like potentially available with just nobody to command it or organize it. It's just like, there's, you know, there's really no way to, to rally it. I feel like that would be a good, that would be a very good impactful sort of series of shots. If they were to put it in the third movie of just like all these weapons, you know, Unused, like with dead bodies around them or right. whatever, like right. missiles, airplanes, tanks, right, and just like nobody to use them, right. right. Um, although I guess if they were to show those shots, then my immediate next thought would be like, well, somebody can like quietly approach one of those tanks and get in there, right, <laughs> and start using it now that the people who are remain know that you have to be quiet, right? yeah. Um, but anyway, that opening scene, and I didn't, we didn't even get into sort of the single shot, like, you know, them getting in the car, having to go into reverse as the bus is coming yeah, down the yeah, road. Yeah, yeah. Like it was very, it was very well done. I thought. So that was another highlight of the movie for me. Yeah. Yeah. The opening bit was quite good. Um, it had little nuances in it that I didn't notice in the theater, but then like later when I would see clips online after doing some reading and stuff about this Mm -hmm. movie, like as an example, um, there's a point where, uh, Noah Jupe and Emily Blunt are in a car driving. And at one point, uh, Noah's character named Marcus, like, like he's like, that's dad as they're like driving by. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we were just watching, you know, it's, it's just done really cleverly where it's like, Oh, we are seeing the same moment in time, mm-hmm. right. From two different perspectives as mm-hmm. these parents are trying to just get their kids out of this place. Yeah. Um, and it just like was a really, I thought engaging way to do an action sequence. Cause one of the main complaints that we have on this podcast about bad action sequences is like, I don't know where anybody is. Mm-hmm. I don't know why anybody's doing anything that they're doing. Yeah. I don't understand the geography of the situation. But when you've got like a sleepy town 
with basically one main street and the two and the characters we care about literally pass each other at one mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. It like really orients you to what's going on. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I agree that that's a really compelling sequence and it had a lot of like, to me, like Jurassic Park vibes mm. with Krasinski, like, and the daughter, like, hovering oh, totally. in the bar. Yeah. Right? And then also, like, be quiet. It's, like, yeah. major uh, velociraptor vibes going on. Yeah. That was one thing that I was sort of, like, thinking and then questioning myself at the same time with that scene and particularly in the bar was, like, how do they know to be quiet already? He seems to already know they need to be quiet. Yeah. And then I was like, I mean, I guess it would be somewhat obvious. Like, right. you're hiding. Be quiet. Right. <laughs> right. Right. But but still, there was part of me that was like, it feels like they're a little too clued in. To yeah, the, I don't know. To that they need to be like silent here. I sort of pendulumed back and forth. And I sort of netted out being totally fine with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, because it's like. There's a deadly monster outside. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. you don't... You know what I mean? Just, right. like, why give it any reason at all to come in to here? To come into this building. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Uh, okay. Any other highlights we should talk about? I mean, I will say, I think that the... There's a sequence... Uh, there's, a, there's a moment, two-thirds, call it, of the way through this movie, where Reagan and... Uh, Emmett find the island mm-hmm. and it's pretty shocking actually mm. the fact that there's just people there that living. people are like having a summer barbecue or right. whatever right right, right 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 like outside mm-hmm. and it just like to me that was such a great change of pace mm-hmm. because we're so conditioned by the first one and a half you know movies right 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 that, that nothing like that can exist. Right. And so yeah. it's so, it, it's just a real testament to the world building of the, of the preceding, whatever, like two and a half hours or something. Yeah. Um, that it's like, Oh wow. I forgot that. Like I, it didn't seem possible that this could be right. Right. And so right. that was a really, um, so we're shocked. Right. Right. We're right there with Emmett and, yeah. and uh, not Reagan believing what your so eyes shocked. are seeing. Right. right? right. Um, and I think it also, helps um helps you as a viewer sort of reset your own expectations about like what is potentially possible in the world right right yeah i mean i don't know if you had this thought um but at that scene maybe leading up to that scene i definitely it come for me it like sort of made me aware like where they've been in the world thus far has been completely isolated. Like they have no evidence of any civilization anywhere. Right. But like there could just be a part of the country that's totally fine. Right. 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 Um, like conceptually like entire cities could be like, totally fine. Is Hawaii fine. Right. Right. But I mean, forget even Hawaii where, where I forget where they are in this. Where does the movie take place? Uh, at one point when they're by the train tracks, you can see it's like a New York state. Okay. So I think they're in upstate New York. So like they're in New York, but I'm talking about like Ohio could be fine for all they know. Right. Totally. Pennsylvania could be fine for all they know. It could be very isolated to their part of the world, but they just have no contact with the outside world. Right. You know, 
but the outside world could have like quarantined that area and has like massive military installments. That would like, be fascinating. Like, yeah. like forming a perimeter around it. And they're like, nobody's allowed to go in there because there's a ton of monsters in there. Right. You know, but they can't get out. We've got them trapped in, in some way or another. That would be like a very, uh, you know, M night, the village type of like revelation right. to discover later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They do a good, I mean, for better or worse, they've painted themselves into a corner because you can see in the very beginning of the movie that like Shanghai, going on in Shanghai. is yeah, yeah. under attack, right? And so you know it's Global. at least in two places. Right. <laughs> it's in Shanghai and this one Obst- podunk town in, in New yeah. York. <laughs> that one alien ship missed the target. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, I turned the map upside down. Right. So they establish it's global. You're right. But there are a lot of islands in the world. And we talked about we're like, maybe Australia is fine. Maybe all of Australia is fine. Right. Maybe England is fine. Right. Right. It depends on where they landed. Right. Um, but to me, that that was a great moment to help uh, remind you as a viewer. It's like, oh, they shouldn't settle necessarily for a life that is just like cowering in a bunker and just right. like praying that the animal the, the creature never finds you right it's like oh it's possible to live like a fulfilling happy life in this world i mean you know dot 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 until mm-hmm. a monster you know happens to stow away on a, boat, on a boat right um but it's like it's just evidence that it's like it can happen and gives them sort of like it to me it sort of like reinvigorates me as an audience member and it's like there's something to live for right mm-hmm. Um, which I think was sort of the argument for like the baby in the first movie. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. It's like you could see the sort of twisted logic of, um, of saying like, no, it, it's like we have to have a baby. Otherwise the terrorists have won kind of thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Still not doing it for <laughs> me, but okay. <laughs> um, but but it just I, to me it was like I, to me it was like a better way mm-hmm. of like there's something to live for in this world. Yeah, it's not all fear and pain, right? So those were some those were all three great moments in the film. All right, agreed. Let's get on to nitpicks. Yeah. I mean, fix the movie. Fix the movie. I'm I want to. I feel like I want to do it. I want to start with what we were just talking about because mm-hmm. there is an aspect of this island that feels a little undercooked to me, uh-huh. which is, um, so like I kind of buy that maybe people would be living a normal life on this Island. Cause, yeah. cause why not? But at the same time, all these people are very aware of the monsters across the water. Of course. Yeah. And the guy shares this story about the coast guard trying to like get a bunch of people off. They had nine boats, but only two made it out. Yeah. Right. Point being, he has seen firsthand aliens get onto boats right or get people who are going to go onto boats yes but i don't think that was the point of his story no the point of his story was like people like you know fell into chaos everyone went just trying Every, to, it was dog trying and to dog flood on the boat so yeah. his his point was like they were their own the, the people in that story were their own worst enemy right but what i'm saying is i feel like having witnessed something like that, he should be, they should all be very aware that like, it's not impossible that an alien could get over here. And we should be, especially since like we are sending out a signal for more people to come here. Mm -hmm. And 
as people try to come here, there's always a chance they might bring an alien with them. Right. You know, so I guess where I'm going with that is it seems like they're just really blissfully like, yeah, where they're sort of like, la, 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 the aliens will never get to this island. We don't have to put any thought into what we do if they do. Right. To the extent that like when the aliens do get there, there's like, there's no plan. There's no it's, it's not like anything they've even yeah. discussed. You know? Well, they do actually have a plan. You mean him driving the car and honking the horn? Yes. Is that the plan? I think so. And then what? His plan is just lure it away. And then our problems are solved. I think that that's the extent <laughs> of the plan. Uh, that And what I'm saying is I think they should have had somewhat a little bit more of a plan than that. Like... Like, for example, they could have built a whole underground thing and everybody goes to the underground thing, you know, mm-hmm. when the alien gets there. It's right. like, we know the drill. We've prepared for this. Everybody into the bunker. Right. But they're just running into, like, he, like, puts the kids into a closet. I'm like, a closet? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and again, it's like, and then what? Right. Are they going to grow up in there? Yeah. You know? Yes. Just, just, just. I feel like you folks should have prepared a little bit. Yes. This was always an eventuality. So, aren't aren't these just the lucky people though who like managed to get to a safe place relatively early mm-hmm. and haven't like don't have like the battle testing that someone like Emmett or the Abbott family has for sure. But they've right? got t- they've got the awareness that there are aliens. They've got time and. Whatever else you want to say about them, they've chosen to broadcast a signal, right? right? To tell other people to come to this island, right? So there you go. Yeah, there's one nitpick I have. Yeah, I I, I agree that these people are like un uh, unacceptably unprepared for any eventuality other than like we're just going to live out our days on this island and that's the end of it. And this is a fixable problem to me by the way like if you just shown a lot of like everything in the plot could have played out the same just show the people going into like a bunker of some kind. Right. But he's luring the alien away with the car because it was like that would somebody should sacrifice themselves to pull the alien away while the rest retreat into a safe place. So that the alien doesn't, like, follow them in there or whatever. Yeah, it is kind of amazing how, like, and I guess because it would be too expensive from, like, a human life perspective. Like, the thing that was sort of, like, mind-blowing to me, and I think in some ways, like, the whiteboard in the first movie represents this, Mm -hmm. is, like, no one, like, is experimenting with, like, how how to kill kill these things. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, you would think that somebody would have figured out a way to, like, rig a trap mm-hmm. that, like, makes a bunch of noise. Mm-hmm. And then when the monster shows up, like, dynamite explodes, right? right, right? right. Like, because it's like, but I, and I get it. Like, it, none of that stuff appears to have worked. But I would like to, but, like, no, his plan was, like, I'm going to lure the alien away. And then let's pretend, it's like, and then you all get in a bunker. Mm-hmm. And then what? And then I will get killed. And, and then, then the, the alien, alien will, will come, roaming the island. will come back, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, um, and so that's the thing is like, there's just no contingency plan. Like, if an alien ever shows up, it's like, well, I guess we're all just gonna die then. I'll drive away. Yeah. It'll chase me. Yeah. It'll kill me. Mm-hmm. It'll come back, kill you. <laughs> that's the plan. <laughs> 
but you will live for like a couple more you'll hours. You'll get another, yeah, maybe hour of like life. Good old that. quality life. Um, okay, we should move on to other nitpicks if you got them. Yeah, so um, to my original point of like what I liked about this movie was knowing what the characters wanted. Mm-hmm. There's a sequence that is like um, cross cut between three different things happening where Emily Blunt is like doing an outing to get medication mm-hmm. and like stuff for Marcus's wounded leg because mm-hmm. incidentally he steps in a bear trap, which was gnarly mm-hmm. in a bad way and in a good way. Um, I just, I just like that the movie has the gumption to be like, I'm going to stick a kid's foot in a bear trap. Mm-hmm. Cause like we need to mm-hmm. like create some narrative problems here. Right. Um, and he's going to be screaming and his mother's going to be like, shut up, shut up. <laughs> Shut your mouth. I don't care that you stepped in the bear trap. Stop being such a baby. Um, So so in that sequence, Emily Blunt's going to the pharmacy. Emmett and uh, Reagan are on the docks, right? Mm -hmm. And Marcus, sweet Marcus, is... Yes, yes. This is the, why is he doing this? Is for no reason at all, has abandoned his baby brother, Mm -hmm. and is just roaming... Like the factory or yeah. whatever, yeah. in search of nothing, and then he finds something scary and, and goes screams, back. <laughs> which creates like or knocks a bunch of stuff over, mm-hmm. which of course lures the monster yeah. to the place. Yeah. yeah, and it's just sort of like, why did you do any of that? Right, like you know that there's a deadly killer monster out there, and you needed to roam the grounds for curiosity purposes. Yeah. I like they could have easily fixed this by like he needs something, mm-hmm. and he has to go find it, right? But instead, it was just like I'm just curious, like what's going on. So, so is that your? Because the movie really doesn't explain it at all. Mm-hmm. Is your interpretation just that that he was just curious? Yes, I think. In my mind, if I try to make it make sense, it would be something like um, he clearly didn't want Reagan to go. He was like, right. I'm going to tattle on you. And then she goes anyway. Tell and, then, and then their mom sends, what's his name? Emmett. Emmett to go fetch her. Right. Yep. And in my mind, maybe like the boy is afraid for her and maybe he doesn't know exactly what he wants to find, but he's like skeptical of Emmett Mm -hmm. and is looking for some evidence that, you know, some dirt on Emmett basically. Right. The way it's very possible. Still, I don't know what his end game would be. Right. Totally. If you were to find it. I know. Uh, Warren Reagan by. (laughs) No, it'd probably probably be more like I'll convince my mom that we should all go out and rescue her or something. Yeah, maybe. Um, to me, it just felt like the movie was basically like, I don't know, teenagers are kind of stupid <laughs> and like they get bored and they're just going to like do what they shouldn't do, which is honestly kind of true. Right? But in this world, you would think there'd be a little Come bit more on. sense on it. Like this kid has watched his dad get murdered. He's yeah. not going to like, yeah. you know, just be like, I'm just going to abandon an infant, right? Just for fun. So that particular motivation was a little bit lacking. Yeah, what what everybody else was trying to do during that sequence is like, I know what Emily Blunt's trying to do. I know mm-hmm. what Emmett and Reagan are trying to do. I do not understand what Marcus is trying to accomplish right now. All he is doing is recklessly endangering his own life and his baby brother's life. Yeah. 
Right. So that was like, just felt wrong. Like for a movie where that I was generally enjoying because I was like, Oh, they're trying to accomplish something. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, same reason I actually was like not super thrilled with Reagan getting onto the train. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why are you getting onto the train? She wanted the first aid kit for her feet. I guess. Yes. It did seem like I will give you, well, I, I, I don't know that it's clear that she got on the train in the first place to do that, but then she did seem to want to get it. Yeah. Which makes sense. But, um, it, it's sort of like, maybe it's just because I, as an audience didn't understand that from the beginning as a, as a, as an audience member. But when she reached for it, I'm like, it sort of seems like she just realized that was there mm-hmm. and decided to get it as opposed to like, that's why she got on the train in the right. first place. And that to me, it's like, why would you get into like a, a thing that has obviously been ravaged by monsters, <laughs> right? Like it's going to climb into this trap. It's certainly going to be full of dead people. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. unless, I mean, they could show her, I mean, like looking at her bloody foot mm-hmm. and then being like, oh, like I should probably like right. deal with this. Right. Um, why do you think they've decided that bare feet is the way to go? It's interesting. I don't know because Emmett isn't barefoot in this movie. He wears shoes. Right. So it's just this family. They've thing. chosen <laughs> a shoeless existence. I get it. If you're like walking around a building, uh-huh. like with a hardwood floor. Right, right, right. right. But I don't understand why you would do that. Like if you were walking like, in the woods. Mm-hmm. I don't believe your footfalls are any significantly louder or quieter having bare feet versus like a sneaker. Maybe it's like the native Americans, you know, they're trying to, they like want to feel the monsters approaching through the ground. No vibrations. No way. No, I no. <laughs> That's not it. Well, <laughs> I don't know, Adam. I don't know. So, so these are my, these are my fix the movie things, right? Shoes. I'll give you. I'll give you. Well, that, ju- I just want people to have reasons to for doing the things that they're doing. Yeah, I think there's actually for me the the there's another one which I think you might have already hinted at the answer, but it wasn't that clear to me. Um, which is more foundational to the plot here, which is why did they at you know after all that time in the first movie, why at the start of this movie. Do they decide they need to leave and go, you know, find where that other fire is originating? Well, the barn is on fire and like the the basement is flooding. So you think it's sort of like we can't stay here because of that? Yeah. Because in my mind, I guess it was maybe maybe it was abundantly clear to you. It wasn't abundantly clear to me that like they had no possible shelter anymore. I thought maybe it's like, okay, the basement's flooded the rest of it all on fire? Yeah, she looks back at one point and like uh, the barn's on fire. Okay, so they just don't have any shelter. I think that's the that idea. Point. Okay. Um, and I think even if it, that weren't the case, like and there was some salvageable, mm-hmm. livable spot mm-hmm. there, um, I sort of have two other thoughts. The first is, and this was actually kind of like a thing that, I kind of wished this movie addressed, but I'm okay that it doesn't is in at the end of the first movie, there are at least two monsters that have been alerted to their presence because they shoot a gun at Mm -hmm. the one that they, the the one that they kill at the end of the first movie. Mm -hmm. So I was expecting in this movie, I was like, 
like I was saying, as far as like expectations is like, oh, we're going to just jump right into two more of these things coming yep, in. Yep, yep. Right. And instead what the movie does is does the flashback to day mm-hmm. one. And we never really see what happens in that immediate aftermath. Right. right. But it's basically the only possible conclusion is they killed the other two. Monsters yeah. They've too, come, right. right. And I, I think they must just skip that part. Yeah. Right. But if you're them and you've now fired three shotgun rounds, right? right it's like, we got to get out of here. There might be more yeah. coming, yeah. right? Combined with like our house is on fire, sure, right? And maybe there's no livable place. Well, I'm almost embarrassed to admit, but I, I totally didn't put that together on uh, the initial viewing that their house was destroyed. Like now that you're saying well, it, I'm like, okay, cool. fair enough. Yeah, yeah. But that's right. They had a house in addition to the barn. But I think they've determined like that's just too exposed. Okay. You're well, just too, you're just going to be too noisy. In any case, what I'm saying is it wasn't clear to me. That that wasn't op- I didn't think of that, put it that way. Right. And so in my mind it was just like it was and this isn't this isn't nothing. Like this would still somewhat hold water for me, but I thought it was just about oh, there's signs of other human life out there. We should just go, you know, meet them basically Mm -hmm. which is which is i do think like i said i think is i somewhat buy that because you're sort of living in this isolated bleak Mm -hmm. existence it's like what are we living for if not to connect Mm -hmm. with like if there's signs of other people it's almost like what are we doing if we're not trying to reach out to them? Yeah. I thought that that was, and that was actually a point that I was meaning to make a moment ago. And I think you're exactly right. Like, uh, Reagan gets up on top of the, the screen silo at one point and she like looks at the fires around mm-hmm. and she marks off on her map, like which ones are still lit and which ones are not. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think like to your point, there's a, look, we can't, it probably doesn't make sense for us to stay here. And like we've been communing via these fire signals with these other groups, like every night, Mm -hmm. like, you know, why are we doing this if not to support one another in moments such as these? Right. So, um, so yeah, I think so to me, like them having to leave the homestead was like, uh, defensible mm-hmm. like there was enough reasons i could quickly identify it's like yeah some combination of those things is is it yeah all right well i've got one more yeah this is just a gripe i'm gonna qualify i'm gonna cl- classify this this isn't a nitpick this is a gripe mm-hmm. so it's uh, a special category of yeah, fix the yeah movie. this is this is i think for me a gripe means like there's nothing I wouldn't claim that this is anything definitively or like objectively wrong about the movie. I just didn't like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that is the mechanic, uh, that you described where you have these three sort of narrative segments happening in parallel. Yeah. Um, and then they kind of converge on two basically Mm -hmm. being like, developing this tension and then having it play out, you know, at the same time in two different places. I think the first one is, um, it's them on the docks, right? Mm -hmm. Is it them on the docks and her coming back to him? Do those things play out at the same time? 
Uh, or is it, or is it them in the train? Something's going on with Emmett and, and Reagan at the same time as something's it's going on. It's the docks. Okay. And the docks. it's what's happening with Emily Blunt's character at that same time. Cause it, she's I, coming, she's basically coming back happen- from the village, right? Yeah. And discovers the alien there and she has to distract him by igniting the fire and all that. Yeah. Well, I feel in, like in, the, in any case, the two sort of like punctuation marks are Emmett encounters that little girl on the dock mm-hmm. and Marcus encounters like the corpse of ah, Emmett's wife. Okay. Right, and right, I th- right. I'm pretty sure those two things happen like same time next to one another. Okay. So, yeah. So anyway, I mean, I think that was well done. It's very effective. But I just think that like one of those is enough in mm-hmm. the movie, but then it does it again later on, uh, where mm-hmm. it's them in like the recording studio mm-hmm. and them in the safe, mm-hmm. right? And I, I just was like, you don't have to do it again. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. That that because I also re- seem to recall that was a thing in the first movie. I couldn't give you the example of when it happened, but didn't the first movie do this too? Oh, for sure. It did her giving birth. Right. Right. And, and so that sequence, the reason it's important that those two things are happening together is that Marcus, he sets off scampers off to light yeah. fireworks yep. just in time so that she can. Yeah. Like, so they're actually related in yeah, the first yeah, one yeah, versus yeah. in this one, it's just like two disconnected things yeah. that it's just choosing to show you together. Um, that's that's my only gripe. Is well, it's a, I feel like I feel like it was effective, but the fact that it does that sort of trick a second yeah. time to me just felt like a little repetitive. Well, I think in fact the second time this movie does it is actually the far better of the two, mm. um, because like I think a moment that really worked for me was the kids. Yeah, was Reagan finally gets her earpiece on a microphone is able to broadcast that sound throughout the radio station and, um, and play it on the speakers. And that's like crippling the monster that's there. Mm-hmm. And then simultaneously Marcus like hears it coming through his headphones and like quickly unplugs them and gets the boom box to do the same thing. And there's this interesting sort of like connectivity between the two siblings. Like, yeah. It's like she is sort of reaching across space to help him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, And that really worked for me. So the concurrency of those two events was like, it makes sense that we would cross cut them because they're directly related. Like her success is directly related to his. Right? Um, The sequence earlier in the film were just like two or three scary things happening simultaneously. It's like, but these things... I remember literally thinking in the movie theater, I was like, these could be happening on different days for all we know. Right. Right. right, Like we're just putting them together. They feel arbitrarily smashed together. Right. 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 Um, Yeah. So I think I'm with you. I think the, I think the final one is the one that thematically fits together much more cleanly. Mm -hmm. Er, The earlier one just feels like sort of an editing gimmick, you know? Right. Right. It's almost like it's you can imagine an alternate yeah. cut of this movie where they're just two scenes. One plays out mm-hmm. and then the other plays out. And then it, they were just like, hey, we could just like splice them together. That might be cool. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the movie would probably be longer, right? If you did them separately. Right. And I could imagine an argument being like, we need to cut 
Right. We need to cut 15 it. 15 minutes from this movie. We How can do sort we of do streamline it? things by having these flow together. Yeah. Plus, you wouldn't want to actually have just like one tense scene immediately after another tense scene. Normally, you want there to be some break right. between them. So, yeah, but I, I, I agree. It's defensible. It just felt a little bit, I agree. It felt a little bit arbitrary, felt a little bit like just sort of movie stuff mm-hmm. happening as opposed to like the story actually like requiring that. Yeah. Well, my point was just that doing it twice felt a little repetitive. Yeah. Uh, that too. All right. So we've done a bunch of nitpicking. Do you want to do any more nitpicking or are we you satisfied? Well, I just sort of, um, I, I don't have any more nitpicks. I am keen to talk about, like, there's certainly going to be a Quiet Place 3, part mm-hmm. 3, mm-hmm. right? Um, Almost certainly. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, right. Um, the adventures, that, I mean, like at a very practical level, I'm like, how are Evelyn and Marcus and the baby mm-hmm. going to get to the island? Right. Right? Like, just like, I just want to know, like, these very practical, straightforward things, let alone... How are the humans eventually going to wage a mm-hmm. massive war against these creatures, right? Yeah. Um, or or broadcast, you know, Reagan's earpiece like globally mm-hmm. somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm I'm I like you put it this way: when the first movie ended, I wasn't like, man, I can't wait for a Quiet Place Part Two. Although at the time I knew there was going to be a Quiet Place Part Two, so maybe it's not the same. It's not fair right, to think right. that. But, like, I've definitely seen movies that spawned that, like, you know, where there were subsequent sequels where it wasn't where when I saw the sequel was being announced, I wasn't like, oh, good. The world was clam. I needed this. The world Mm -hmm. was clamoring for this. But, like, after seeing Quiet Place Part 2, I'm like, very eager for Quiet Place Part 3. And, in fact, did you hear what the next movie in this sort of world is going to be? Jeff Nichols. The Jeff Nichols movie. Yeah. That... I could That's get down. Very with. interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, it's so funny. I mean, I think a lot of this comes down to it being from John Krasinski to mm-hmm. be quite honest, like Jim from the office. Uh-huh. But the idea of this, this movie, even though I really like both movies so far, mm-hmm. but the idea of it becoming this more like extended universe, you know, kind yeah. of thing still feels a little bizarre to me, Yeah, but it might, it totally could work. Like it totally could be the sort of thing where, 10 years from now, a quiet place is like a massive franchise, right? You know, that like everybody knows it's like just world famous, but like right now to me in this moment, I'm like, that seems kind of crazy. I know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That they're like doing another movie in this universe that isn't part three. Right. Um, but I, I guess it speaks to the kind of how much potential there is in this very simple premise. Right. Cause it is a really, They've got two movies now, you know, in the bag that are both, were both well done. Yeah. And explore the premise with a a decent, uh, you know, they do a decent amount of exploration, but there's like so much more that you can wonder and ask. And I think it's also really nice. The premise sort of ties it, like provides a nice framework for extension because these characters are it's 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 baked into the premise that they're very isolated. They have no idea what's going on elsewhere in the world. Right. So there's so much you could do so many stories in so many different parts of the world that are so different from each other 
and none of those characters would know about yeah. each other's stories. Well, it's just like, um, I mean, imagine if the movie, say, Independence Day, like, ended, I don't know, right after the White House blew up, mm-hmm. right? It would be, like, extremely... Uh, just like wildly different, right? Mm-hmm. The whole thing with that movie was like, we want to be able to cheer at the end when the humans beat the aliens, mm-hmm. right? And Quiet Place almost took its cues from like, and I feel like most alien invasion and most monster movies have that basic idea, right? Which is like, we want to be cheering at the end that we won, right? And I feel like Quiet Place was like, what if instead we like, did Star Wars mm-hmm. where like the Empire is like never gone. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, and it's just you're just living in this world fighting against the the bad thing, but yeah. it's like you can't be rid of it. Right. And I feel like most monster movies like don't do that. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um uh now maybe an exception would be like the relatively recently resurrected Godzilla franchise, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like, Godzilla's got to be in every movie, right? right? But I feel like generally... But they kind of make him the good guy. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, Almost but, like to justify it. But I think like that's sort of the, the... I don't know if it's... That's just sort of like the the useful wrinkle is like, don't beat the monster, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, then you can make a lot of these. Right. Right. Um, and so I think, although they're getting closer to beating the monster, it seems with this film. Sure. I don't think you want to go They're inching closer forever. I don't, I don't think any franchise wants to go forever. Well, you want there to be a sense of progress. Right. But I think, and the thing that works about this movie, that's different from a movie like jaws, right. Is like jaws. It would be kind of silly, right. To be like jaws four still fighting the shark mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but this movie where it's like a planet full of these aliens right that's not silly right i mean right. it's it's science fiction and obviously sort of like patently silly on its face right but like with a movie like jaws if you were like oh man the whole ocean is filled with these like blood crazed sharks right that would just feel like nuts right 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 um so I just, yeah, just somehow somebody had the smart idea to just be like, just make it an interminable problem, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to, was like, we're, we're not going to get an Independence Day moment at the end of this movie, and that's okay. Right. Well, I mean, from hearing John Krasinski talk about it, I feel like his, you're talking about a sort of story level, you know, innovation, if you want to call it that. I, I think... I think the smart thing he did was also just actually, you know, make a story about characters that the audience will actually care about. Yeah. And, uh, you know, make scary stuff happen around them. But like, basically people are going to want to see these characters in more situations. Well, like let's use an, honestly, a movie that I think in hindsight missed a major opportunity. Mm hmm is the movie is the movie signs mm. right like how likable is that group i mean in, in, back then this is before mel gibson basically <laughs> came out as a yeah, you know yeah. a majorly problematic celebrity right. but like 
think how charming like the Mel Gibson mm-hmm. uh, is it Kieran Culkin? Like it's one of the Culkins, yeah. right? Uh, Joaquin Phoenix. Phoenix. It's just like what a delightful little bunch, group. yeah, right. And it like imagine if Signs didn't end the way it does, mm-hmm. right? And imagine instead if it was just like okay, we survived this. What next? Right, right, like because these uh, you know these aliens aren't as easy to kill as. Yeah, and then like, it was who wants to see this family, you know, get through it, get through, yeah, right. The next, the next chapter in there. But I think we're so conditioned that like movies need to be, you know, these standalone things. We want to wrap it up in two hours, right? Um, but Quiet Place is like, what if this was like, frankly, a TV show mm-hmm. that. Just we're just gonna release as movies instead, right? It's like, yep, that works. Yeah. Absolutely works. Yeah. All right. So, do we beam it up? I'm gonna say no. As much as I liked it, mm-hmm. I'm gonna say no as well. I it's mean, not like it sounds ch- like we're both really looking forward to the next it's, one. It's a good, yeah, it's a good for to more in this franchise. It's a good night at the movies. Good popcorn. Yeah. Flick. Right. We literally were eating popcorn as we watched this movie. Um, but you know, when, when we think about like a true, like truly special things that really like moved us and meant something major to us, it's just, it's not at that. Not, not a quiet that, place part two. Not at that level. No, but Still good. Still solid. Solid. Worth seeing. Yes. Worth checking out in theaters if you're vaxxed. Yeah. But the Space Flicks telecom bill is just, you know, astronomical. And we just, we got to keep the the bandwidth costs down. pennies. Yeah. All right. So there you have it. Quiet Place Part 2. Looking forward to the next one from Jeff Nichols, which is going to be called something else. Probably a Quiet Place colon something. A quiet-ish place. Yeah. Or something colon a quiet place story or something. Yeah. Yeah. It'll, yeah. It'll be, it'll be like title colon a quiet place tale <laughs> from a quiet place. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, uh, looking forward to it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yes. I'm Dan. I'm Adam. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.